Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. This is a symbol that Nicodemus was in the dark spiritually. This morning, are you in the dark about anything? Is this causing you to feel uneasy or anxious in any way? surprises Nicodemus by telling him that he needs to be reborn spiritually. Are you being invited by Jesus into a new beginning this morning? And what does the cross that Jesus was lifted up on tell you about how much God loves you values you. How does it make you feel to know that God is not interested in condemning and judging you? Take some time and prayerfully reflect on this passage and feel free to write down or journal your thoughts few moments to do that now.
There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader. He came to Jesus, Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who's come from God, for no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it's not possible to see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asked, how is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter the woman's, the mother's womb for a second time and be born, isn't it? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I, that I said to you, you must be born anew. God's spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. It's the same with everyone who is born of the spirit, Nicodemus said. How are these things possible? Jesus answered. You are a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? I assure you that we speak about what we know and testify about what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how would you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the human one, the son of man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the human one be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Praise God. Amen. How is Christ speaking to you directly, right to you this morning through this passage? How is God's Spirit inviting you to act on anything you've heard? To make a change in the way you think or act? A course correction in your life? What is God's Spirit inviting you into this morning? Just take a moment now just to have a prayerful conversation with God about it. Just speak to God about what's on your heart what you hear God saying to you and how you might respond to what God is saying. Feel free to write your thoughts as well.
just spend about 10 minutes reflecting on scripture prayerfully. You can see how you can take 10 minutes out of your day each day to do this with the Lord. You know, when I looked at this passage this week, it reminded me of 1992, 1993, where I don't know if you can remember where your life was when it was at its worst. And I remember thinking, I don't want to go to sleep. I don't want to go to bed. Because the minute I put my head down on that pillow is the minute I start dwelling and thinking about everything. And so what I did, I made up projects to do around the house. Stupid things that I would do until four in the morning till I knew that when I hit the bed, I would collapse and go to sleep. Now, I don't know about you, my ultimate prime for worrying is during the night. Not during the day when I'm busy, doing work and meeting with you guys, but it's, that, it's in the evening. And so I would ask the question to myself, what keeps me up at night or what keeps you up at night? Now, the 90s are over, thank God. But there's things in my life that keep me up at night. For instance, my health. You know, my prayer life gets really strong when I meet with the doctor. When I'm sitting there negotiating with God, okay, God, I don't want to, because I have a congenital heart valve disease, and so therefore, if my valve goes, shrinks a millimeter, then I have to have open heart surgery. So I'm praying and negotiating every time, every three months, every six months with God. <laughs> it's horrible. The other thing I stress out on is the future of this church. Not with you guys, but the thing is, sometimes when you have a vision for a church and when you have a dream for a church and it, then it becomes a reality or it's beginning to become a reality, therefore you start to get stress. Dreams are great when they're dreams because they're not reality. But when you, God is giving you a dream or you have a dream in your life that's becoming reality, therefore, oh my goodness, the stress begins. You notice know, a picture in the background. I, there's a team that wanted me to look at what the possibilities of our property would look like when it fulfills what I call the, the, uh, the restorative center. And so there's a building here and... So when you walk into some other church and say, this could be a possibility. And so then you, when you meet with an architect that says, this is what the sanctuary could look like when we renovate the sanctuary and outdoors and have it really nice and really up to date where you don't have blinking lights and 1962 things in a bathroom that only seats one. I have personal space. I don't need that men's restroom to have a nice, decent men's restroom. And then the center for ministry, if you look at the next architectural plan, that, that would be over here, a $5.5 million building project. And my superintendent says, whenever you need the loan, just give me a call. Boom. And so you look at this, and that, that keeps me up at night now, because what if I fail? What if I, this doesn't work? What if? And so when I look at this passage, I really can connect to it, not only connect to it that Nicodemus was a Jewish religious leader, I'm a religious leader, and he's in a dark place, and there's sometimes your pastor's in a dark place. Connect, connect, connect. 
In fact, if you look at John chapter 3, it says this. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader. He came to Jesus at night. So obviously at night, this guy was stressing out and thinking of things. He must have been up all night. So you read the Gospel of John, and the Gospel of John has some incredible symbolism in it. In fact, if you follow me on the screen, by saying Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, John is saying that even though Nicodemus was a religious leader, he was really in the dark a lot about his spiritual things. See, a lot of people think pastors, man, they're tight in their spiritual. They don't struggle with the faith. They have certainty. We're not called to live by certainty, are we? We're called to live by faith. And when you're called to live by faith, the certainty is not there sometimes. Even as a pastor, you struggle with your faith. And you go through difficult times. And so when you're in the middle of the night, not only that the nighttime is dark, but sometimes when you go into that dark place in your own life, that your, your spirituality is in a dark place too. And therefore, we start seeing life much differently. So unlike me, where I just sit in the dark and stress out, Nicodemus does something that's incredible. He goes to Jesus during his dark times. He goes right to him because he knows he's a great rabbi. He knows he's this incredible teacher. He knows that he could enlighten him. No, but your pastor loves to be tortured with his own thoughts. He loves to think all night, what if I have a heart attack? What if I do this? What if this church burns down? What if, what if, what if? But Nicodemus goes right to Jesus. It's interesting. I don't know if you like board games, but I've been playing a lot of board games lately. The first one I, I, I play, it's Milton Bradley. You can get all these games for a pretty low price on eBay. It's really interesting if you start playing the what if game. Have you ever done that game? That's a fun game. The what if game is basically anybody that you know that when you're in the dark, that what if this happens? What if that happens? What a worst case scenario. We got our whole country playing the what if game right now. It's a popular game. So therefore, when we play the what if game, it freezes us where we don't do anything. But let's play it, because I'm playing it. It's, it's open to all the players if you want. It's not just for four players. We can play it together. The other game that I play when I get bored with the what if game is the memory game. Have you ever played that game? I'm good at that one. The memory game is simply this, that you just remember what people have said negative about you all through your life. And then all of a sudden you come to a conclusion that you're the biggest failure in the world. And then all of a sudden you connect this and say, it's like a lawyer. You're connecting this scene, you're connecting that scene, you're connecting that year, you're connecting this year. And so, therefore, you have the memory game. There's a new game that I'm playing. <laughs> it's You Gotta Be Kidding God game. Now, that's a game when your dreams are starting to fulfill into things. When you start seeing a dream of yours start to become a reality, you start thinking, God, you gotta be kidding. You could have used someone that's far more educated than I am, far more better than I am, far more sophisticated than I am. Why would you use me? I'm not educated enough. I have, I'm so limited. I have health issues. <laughs> I have a tremor in my hands that I can't hold. I have to keep this one in my pocket because it's bad today. 
And so this is interesting to me because these games all have the same conclusion. And I put it on the screen, it's a form of judgment and self-condemnation. You see, the thing is, your pastor's mantra has been no judgment, only love, right? It's not just for other people. You're, you know, you, I am the biggest judge on me. You are too. And so when we have a mantra that says no judgment, only love, stop judging yourself. Because you stop playing these games. And, we, and I got to stop playing these games too. Do you see how when you meditate on scripture, you just go, man, God really speaks through his word. And so, so Nicodemus, not Kevin, goes to Jesus and basically says, teach me, Jesus. I need to figure this out. I need to get beyond this. And so Nicodemus goes to Jesus, and then Jesus gives this odd answer. It doesn't make sense at first. It's in John chapter 3. He goes, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it's not possible to see God's kingdom. Look at the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come now in my life. And so basically he's saying, you've got to have the eyes to see his kingdom come in this situation. It's funny because Nicodemus thought he needed more knowledge. Just throw me some knowledge, God, Jesus. Just throw me some doubt. Just tell me what I need to do. But he dealt with a bigger issue of his reception of hearing the Holy Spirit in his life. See, a lot of us just, just tell me what I need to do. I don't need to think. <laughs> I wish God would say, if you do this, I guarantee you this would do it. I don't, then I don't need to think. I don't need to depend on him. And so this is interesting that basically Nicodemus is saying, I need to get out of the spiritual darkness. But basically Jesus is saying, no, you need a rebirth. You need to see things a lot different now. And so when I'm at night in a dark place, I can sit there and say, okay, I need some head knowledge. I open a book. I need to open this. I need to do this. How did so-and-so do this? How did this do, do this? Joel Steen, man, he has a church of 30,000. Whatever he did, let me do it. <laughs> I can't be Joel Steen. I got to be me. And so when I think, when Nicodemus or myself are thinking inadequacy in our lives, Jesus uses a crazy illustration in the Old Testament with Moses. He talks about Moses got a snake, put it on a stick, and held it up. Now, if you understand, this is, it's a crazy thing. I don't know if you've seen the Ten Commandments movie from the 1950s. I can't remember if they had the scene in it. But there was one time, time that God allowed all these venomous snakes to be biting everybody. And so they were paralyzed, they were frozen, and they were, they were suffering, they were getting sick. And so Moses said, look at this, and if you keep your eyes focused on this, you will be healed. In fact, I look at this and I think, oh my goodness, if you get your eyes off your circumstances and focus on above, then my perspective is going to change. Then my growth will change. See, you have to know when you're bitten by a snake, you are paralyzed. And there's many of us in life that are paralyzed by fear, paralyzed of what if, paralyzed because we're playing these stupid little board games, but we don't embrace and look up. 
This is interesting because Jesus basically says this, I'm going to be lifted up on the cross. When people look up to see me, they will see God's humble love, which will heal them and restore them. So basically he's saying spiritual growth, look to Jesus on the cross. Look, you're going to be healed. You're going to make it. You're going to, it's going to work out. I look back at the 90s, you would think that was the biggest lesson in my life, that I wouldn't worry anymore at all. You ever done that? Have you ever prayed something to get me out of this situation? And then you go, praise God for about 10 minutes, and then you focus on, oh man, life's going to suck again. <laughs> Lord restored my life a hundredfold in the 90s. But guess what I'd focus on? Losing that, losing my life now. Losing what I have now, my church, my ministry, my wife. You know, my wife's going to fly out. My whole fear is something will happen. It freezes you, doesn't it? And so when we look at this worrying, to be spiritually reborn, follow me on the screen, I need to change my focus. Instead of dwelling on all that I think I have to do, but I'm inadequate to do with my own abilities and strength, I need to look at what God's love has done for me in Christ. See where this is going? It's called a shift, like a paradigm shift. It is a shift from pride in my own efforts to trust, surrender, surrender faithfulness, and most of all, humility. The way of Christ always involves a cross where we put to death an endless frustration at having to earn our worth. The cross shows us our worth. Jesus humbled himself to a point of death on the cross to show us how much we are valued and loved. Scripture even says, but God shows his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It isn't religious knowledge we, because the more religious I get, the more prideful I get. You know that, right? But when he restores us and gives us this incredible new life, it has to be through a new beginning, a new rebirth in our lives. And so it's not just about knowledge, because sometimes, even with the knowledge, it's, it's almost like, you ever ask questions? Like, for instance, you think knowledge works? Let me, let me give you an example. Back in the 90s, when I asked my first wife, why did you have an affair, and why did you leave me? She told me. She threw the knowledge out. And I'm telling you right there, there was no comfort at all. Because answers don't comfort. You can go to the doctor and say, why am I sick? You can go to the doctor and say, why do I have a congenital heart valve disease? And he can tell you. And I go, oh, how comforting. <laughs> do you see what I mean? That's why we need to be, be rebirthed. That we can see things away. That's why we need to focus on the cross. Even when I'm up at night, Worrying, I'm being invited to focus on the cross and, and the humble love of God. I'm being invited to let go of my pride and thinking that I have to be capable enough to handle everything. When I'm stuck there, I'm dying spiritually. But when I look up to the cross and see how much God thinks I'm worth, I am able to trust in this love enough to surrender all of my striving and simply rest in this love. It is at that moment I am spiritually reborn. I need to be spiritually reborn on a daily basis. It's funny how a lot of Christians go, 
Have you been born again? Have you been born again? Like it's a one-time thing. Let me tell you this. Sorry. Am I getting on Christians? <laughs> I would be a great agnostic atheist because here's the deal. I have to be born again when my circumstances change again. Because my circumstances will be completely different in a week from now. And I need to be, I need to see it how Christ sees it. I need to see a new thing, a new way of th seeing things. For me, this born again is a daily ritual that I need to do. Because my spirit, my human being, human meaning flesh, being meaning spirit, my spirit obviously needs to conceive with the Holy Spirit and then therefore let it be birthed. And so, do you see how it works? And the circumstances. And so when I'm going, oh, good, my heart, my, all this, this. And Jesus goes, focus on the cross. Focus on the cross. You will live. You will see things. You won't be paralyzed. You will have the strength. You will have the ability. It's not you're going through a life like, you know, I don't go through suffering. Jesus suffered. He said, if you follow him, you will go through suffering. I don't know why us Christians don't think that. But we will go through it. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. No judgment, only love. That's the love that we're talking about. That's incredible love. But this most quoted verse is so misused because we think it's talking about condemnation. We think it's talking about going to hell. And it's not. Now, I'm in my own mental hell if I don't grab onto this. But being in the dark uh, up at night, playing the worry games is not life the way God intended it to be lived. When I'm stuck, focused on myself and what I think I can or can't do, that is dead life. But when I look to the cross and place my trust, not in Kevin, but in Christ, I'm instantly free. Peace comes flooding in, joy returns, since uh, serenity comes back, and I go back to sleep knowing that when I wake up, all I have to do is trust that love and live faithfully according to it. That is a real eternal kind of life we can all enjoy now. We can all share that kind of life God enjoys. Here's the best part of being spiritually re reborn, that I don't need to play the condemnation game to you, about you, or to myself. Condemnation game, let's play it. it. There's no joy in it at all. It's no fun, right? And here's what's interesting. God does not play the condemnation game. He ain't playing games with you. He's being real with you. And here's a verse 17. And this is verse 17 right after 16. We don't, we don't read this verse. We stop at 16. Verse 17 says this. God did not send his son in the world to judge. You get that? God did not send his son in the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. 16 and 17 is all about no judgment, only love. A sacrificial love. It's an incredible love that we cannot love like that unless we are born again, unless we are born in the Spirit, unless we have our whole new perspective. 
I'm telling you, I need to be saved every day from my dumb anxiety games that I play. This is what I think in the passage of what God said to me. And if you notice, I touch my face a lot. I'm trying not to touch my face. They'd say, don't touch your face. I'm going, so stupid. And so the things that, what God is saying here to me is look up. Look at the cross. Stop looking at your inadequacy. Start look, stop looking at your brokenness. Stop playing these little board games that you think are fun to play and start focusing on me and realize what I say and think you are. Because I called you, all of us, to do much bigger things than any of our critics have ever said. And so a lot of us are paralyzed. We've been bitten by the snake. And we know what the snake represents. And sometimes we need to say, you know what, I can't be paralyzed anymore. I gotta move beyond this. I gotta live beyond this. I gotta have joy in my life. It's not dependent on the circumstances that I'm facing, but it's dependent on the inner experience of my rebirth into him. And when I listen to what Jesus is whispering to me in my darkest hour and put my trust back in him, I am reborn into real life as God intended it to be. May God bless you and may God bless his world.